Good evening. There we go. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. It is our privilege to have Dr. Jim Russell with us this evening. He's the director of our pastoral ministries program here and also one of our professors. So if you can welcome him, please. Thank you, Dr. Russell, for being here. Um, stand with me this evening. As we began our service with our theme, we are called to trust. Can you say it with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We serve a great God. Psalms 104 says, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with garments, and he stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beam of his upper chambers on their waters. We serve a great God. I don't know what you're coming with this evening uh, to chapel. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you're overwhelmed with homework. Maybe our trust in. Amen. He's a God we can count on. Counting on God. I'm in a fight, not physical. I'm in a war, but not with this world. You are the light that's beautiful. Thank you. 
just enough strength to live for today so I never have to worry what tomorrow will bring cause my faith is on a solid rock and I'm counting on God I'm counting on 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 I'm counting on God Joy unspeakable some drums please we serve a great God amen let us sing how great is our God the splendor of a king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide. Trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. God 
That's a beautiful thing to sing. It's an even more wonderful thing to know. But it's even much more effective when we really believe it. And before we pray, I just want to say something to you that an evangelist friend of mine likes to say. God is bigger than what's the matter. And it's January 10th. Christmas and New Year's have come and gone. The holidays have passed us by. And some of us are already saying, wow, already? This year, I'm facing this? Troubles don't always take a holiday, do they? Trials don't take a holiday. Health issues don't take holidays. Financial issues don't go away just because January 1 came. But I got some really good news for you. God hadn't gone away either. And he's bigger than all of those. I know we don't do this a lot, but I've been praying about this all day. My message is going to deal with that, but I just have a feeling some of you right now need to deal with that. God's bigger than whatever it is that's on your heart right now, that's burdening you right now, that's concerning you right now. And so I'm going to lead in prayer, but if it would be beneficial to you, would you just come right now and kneel at this altar and say, God, I am coming to believe with all my heart right now that you're bigger than what's the matter. Would you do that? If you have somebody up here that you'd like to come and stand behind while we pray, would you come and stand behind them right now? Maybe a family member or a friend or one of your students. We learned in preaching class you do this at the end of the sermon. Well, I hope we teach in preaching class you do it when the Spirit tells you to. Amen? Amen? Is it okay if we gather first? I think so. So I'll let you be seated where you are and ask you to let your heart be an altar with God, would you? Father, how great you are. Forgive us when we forget how great and powerful you really are. For troubles and trials and tribulation and bad news and unexpected things have a way of jumping up in front of us and clouding our vision. And it seems like that the problem is bigger than anything. But it's never bigger than you. Would you help us to start right now and remember who you are?
I am so thankful, Lord, that Jesus taught us that you know what we need even before we ask you. So we don't have to come and beg. We don't have to come and inform. We don't have to say the magic words or the right words. We may not even know what to say. And our hearts cry tonight might just be, Oh God, please help me. But regardless of whether we can put it into words or not, Father, thank you that you are bigger than the burden that's on our back or on our heart. You're, you're higher and above any mountain we need to climb. And the depth of your love is deeper than any sea that we have to cross. You are God. We are not. How great you are. How great you are. So we proclaim with the apostle tonight, we may be knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We may be perplexed, but we are not in despair. Because God, you are the answer to whatever it is I'm facing. So as you pray, I want you to say amen in your heart with me as I say these things and you agree with them. God is able. Jesus loves me. His grace is sufficient. He knows just what I need. His works are marvelous. His power is great. And He is moving on this situation now. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to know the outcome. I don't have to know the how. I just know who is taking care of this right now. And Lord, I just want to thank you right now. You are bigger than this. And I am going to live in the power of your love and grace. And I am going to face this with you. For you will not forsake me and you will not leave me. And Lord, I love you. And I want to love you with all my heart. And I don't want this thing to come between you and me. I want you between me and what I'm facing. For you are my rock and you are my shield. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe it in the sweet and precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And it's going to be better. <clears throat> well, that's not the message, but that was a good one. Wasn't it? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 77. Maybe you can identify with this. And if you haven't had this experience, I promise you, you will have it. 
I don't think I know anybody who's walked with the Lord who hasn't gone through what I'm about to describe. But let me ask you this. Have you ever had a situation where you had a burden on your heart, and maybe it was your spouse or your best friend or, Lord help us, maybe even your pastor, and you went to share it with them, and it just seemed to you like they weren't really listening? And you know, when that happens and, and, and you're going to somebody and, and you're just pouring your heart out and you discover they're not listening to you, that hurts, doesn't it? And your tendency is to say, well, I'm not going to ever go to you again. You ever heard expressions like this? Well, well, I prayed, but they just didn't get past the ceiling. Well, I know it feels that way, but that's just not possible, okay? Got good news, all prayers go past the ceiling. Amen? Not good to know? <laughs> He will not leave you nor forsake you, but it doesn't stop it sometimes from feeling like it. And he hears us when we pray. That's the word of God. That's a truth. But sometimes it feels like he's not listening. And, and sometimes we want to cry out like the psalmist did to kind of say, uh, Lord, I, I'm trying to trust you with all my heart. I'm trying not to lean on my own understanding. I'm trying to acknowledge you in all my ways. But here's the deal. I'm leaning. You're not listening. But God's always listening. And God always hears. One of the things I like about the Psalms is the Psalms tend to be more honest in their prayers than you and I are. We tend to want to go to God and act real spiritual. O Lordeth, Godeth, and Heaveneth. <laughs> Thoueth, knoweth, O Lordeth, Godeth, in Heaveneth. We don't need all that junk. You think God doesn't know that I'm coming to him and I'm feeling like I'm leaning, but you're not listening? You think he doesn't know that? God, I'm leaning. Well, listen to this. This is amazing to me. We sang just before we prayed. We tend to call it like a prayer course to set up a prayer time. Oh, God, how great you are. Well, Psalm 77 is a prayer course. Asaph wrote this to be sung about prayer in the temple. But it doesn't sound like our typical kind of prayer course. But it does once you get to the end of it and you read it all the way through. But listen to what might have been verse 1. I, I don't know what rhythm or rhyme or whatever they would have sung this to or played to it, but, but listen to this. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. Hey God, are you listening? When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. God, I'm praying. What's the deal? Now, that's the honesty. Maybe because of what's in this text, and just as I prayed today and spoke with the Lord about this today, maybe that's why we had the altar call. Because I could go through this message for you, and if you aren't honest with God, it really wouldn't make any difference what I said to you about God's hearing you when you don't think he is. But by giving you a chance to just act on it immediately, I want you to know God does hear you, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because the last time I checked, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith never comes by feeling. And if, in case I forget to say this later, let me just say this to you. I am now convinced after walking with the Lord for a long time that sometimes he doesn't let me feel it because I need to make sure I believe it. And the best way to know I believe it is when I believe it when I can't feel it. Because faith is based on what I know, not what I feel. 
In Tennessee, that means I need a in that right eye. Look at verse 3. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused. That, that word kind of intrigued me, so I, I looked it up. Interesting thing is that, that in, the, uh, in the Hebrew, that same word is sometimes translated as roar. Just think about this for a second. I think the idea and the reason that Asaph used this word is because I just want to shout it out. I just want to, I want to roar it. God, I want to get your attention, but I can't even put it into words because the English word for muse means to meditate silently. I, I just don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm not sure what, I just, I mused. And as a result, my spirit grew faint. And the word there in the Hebrew is overwhelmed. I, I came to you in prayer, but so far, this is how I feel. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure you're even listening. I am overwhelmed. And then if that wasn't good enough, he goes, Selah, which means what? Amen, God. I ain't kidding here, God. That's Tennessee talk. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. I don't know what to do with this. What's the deal? I've been taught all my life, just take it to God. Just go to God in prayer. Have you ever cried out for help and then wondered if he was really listening? This year's chapel theme reminds us that we should not lean on our own understanding, but instead trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And we know that. But here's the thing I also know. We seldom, we seldom interpret our experiences not just by what we know, but most often we interpret our experiences by what we know and what we feel. And we're just human enough that often what we feel overrides what we know. True? So if that's happened to you, welcome to the boat. Welcome to the family, because we've all been there and we'll probably get there again. But the good news is you don't have to stay there. You see, because as this psalm begins, you, you might call it a situation where you, you have a sense of despair. I mean, the first part of this is just crying out in desperation unto the Lord. I mean, think about it. And you know what? I've got some good news for you. It's okay. Because sometimes we're just perplexed. We don't know what to do with what we know. We don't know how to handle what we feel, and we're perplexed. But here's the good news. See, Paul understood that too. And he says to us in 2 Corinthians 4, but we're not in despair. Because despair means there's no answer to this. But there is an answer to this, to what you're feeling, what you're going through, because God has the answer. And more important, He is the answer. Well, in, in the first part of this prayer, what we have is we have Asaph praying, remembering, and questioning. Uh, let me take you to some of the questions that are found in this passage. He says, verses 7 through 10, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has God forgotten my address? <laughs> Is he ever going to come around again? See, that's a legitimate question. Here's the answer. 
Now, I'm going to give you some Old Testament answers because these are the answers that Asaph would have turned to to know the word so that faith could overtake feelings. Here's the answer. Lamentations 3. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. So God didn't put it on you. But if he's chosen to let you go through it, it's because you'll be better going through it than around it. Can I say that again? God's not laying it on you. He's not dumping on you. He's not making it hard on you. He doesn't have to. Life does that for us. Amen? So when God does, you know, here's the deal. I love the songs about God took me over the mountain. I like the song about God took me around it. I like anything. But how about the ones that talk about God took me through it? Okay? Because why? Because when you go through it, your faith is stronger. Your character is matured. You learn to trust him more. And that's exactly what we're trying to do is to trust the Lord with all of our heart. And to learn to trust the Lord with all my heart, sometimes I've got to go through it instead of around it. Here's the good news. The last time I checked, God took them across and through the Red Sea. God took them across and through Jordan. God took them across and through the Promised Land. Amen? And the last time I checked, God took Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abundance. <laughs> I almost said what we say back in Tennessee, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. <laughs> God took those three guys through the fire to get to victory. Amen? Okay. So even though it feels like you'll never know his favor again, of course you have his favor. He favors you so much to bring you through it instead of around it because of what it'll do for you. How about this in verse 8? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Good question. Here's the answer. Psalm 30. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And you just brought some things to Jesus, and you may not feel the rejoicing yet. i got good news for you. It's on the way. Amen. Say it with me. It's on the way. It's on the way. Okay. I'm counting on you, God. I'm counting on you, God. Guess what, God says? You can count on me. Amen? It's on the way. And then verse 9, how about this one? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has, his, has he in anger withheld his compassion? Answer, lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How great is our God. Amen? Now, I'm not feeling that right now. You want to feel it? First, you've got to believe it. Amen. So you don't get the cart before the horse. Faith first, feelings next. Faith is what we live on. Feelings are how we celebrate our faith. Amen. Faith first, feelings second. I grew up in a time in the church when people used to jump first and get blessed later. <laughs> I used to travel with a quartet. I traveled with a quartet at Trevecca. I traveled with a quartet here at NBC. And here's how it goes. If you forget the words, get blessed. <laughs> Am I telling the truth, Dr. Strike? 
I mean, that's just part of training in music 101, you know. If, if you forget the words, get blessed. <laughs> if you get lost in your sermon, talk louder. <laughs> faith first, feeling second. You see, it's the faith that'll take you from the darkness of despair to the dawn of decision. Verses 10 through 12. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. Now, when they talk about the right hand of God, you know what they're talking about? The miraculous care and deliverance of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. God has delivered me before. God's been delivering his people for a long time. I'm going to stop and remember that. Because the God who delivered me then is the God who will deliver me now. Amen. The God who delivered the three Hebrew boys in the fire is the God who will deliver me now. Amen. The God who got me through that last class will get me through the next one. Amen. The God who got me through that last exegetical paper, that last case study, that last crazy quiz that Dr. Russell gives, he'll get me through the next one. In all things, trust the Lord. Then he says, I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your miracles of long ago. Now see, miracles of the past are good for remembering. But you don't just remember them because they're back there. The memories of the past become the launching pad for new miracles in the future. Because sometimes it just helps me to remember. I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing it. I need it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh yeah, he's done that before. He can do it again. And then my focus switches from my problem to the problem solver. How about this verse 12? I will meditate. I'm not really good at meditating because meditating takes time. I want there to be some kind of word between meditate and help. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like right now. Like, uh, I'm convinced that there ought to be something about microwave prayers in here somewhere. Okay? Now, now, what helps me is to realize that it, only, that it takes less than 30 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer. Okay? So just think about that. So you don't have to beg and plead and cajole and cry a bucket of tears and all that. But if you need to, cry. It's okay. But sometimes we just need to slow down and we need to meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. You see, don't just remember it and then just leave it there and move away. But stop and think about it. Wait a minute. That's the God who parts the seas. That's the God who can move mountains. That's the God who delivers from fire. That's the God who gives peace that passes all understanding. That's the God that allows Paul to write about joy from a prison cell. And that's the God who's going to help me. So I have made a decision. I will not remain in despair, regardless of how I feel. I am going to meditate, remember, think, and appeal to the God who is able. Now let me read it to you from the message. I love it. Just my luck, I said, the high God goes out of business just the moment I need him. Once again, I'll go over what God's done and lay out on the table the ancient wonders. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished and give a long, loving look 
at your acts. And in doing this, guess what happens? The light comes on and you catch a fresh vision of God and not just your situation. And then you begin to sing, how great is our God. With this new focus in mind, notice that Asaph says in verse 13, Oh God, your way is holy. No God is great like God. You're the God who makes things happen. You showed everyone what you can do. I will proclaim it. I believe it. I will see it. Good news. That promise hasn't changed. Paul said in Romans 8, What shall we say then in response to all this stuff that's going on in our lives? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? There is a three-letter word in the Bible that is so cool that, that we miss it. And it's the, it's the word all. A-L-L. Okay? What does all mean? Somebody tell me. Means all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All means all. Okay. So if he loved us so much to give Jesus for us, Paul says, will he not graciously give us all things? Wait a second. Whatever we need, will not God take care of that? All that I need, he will always be. All that I need till his face I see. All that I need for eternity, Jesus is all I need. Amen. Believe it. You'll see it. Because that promise hasn't changed. Because when we move from despair to the dawn of decision to focus on who God really is, it always takes us to the day of deliverance. Our feelings and emotions can, can shroud and dull our vision and perspective. But when we look beyond it into the face of God and into the Word and into His promises and into His character, suddenly the light comes on at the end of the tunnel and I can see my way through because I can see the one who brings me through. In verse 13, the, the author switches from the personal pronoun to you, speaking of God. And he says in verse 13, you are holy and great. So I'm going to read these things that, that, that Asaph says about God. And if you believe them, after I read them, I want you to say amen. Okay, ready? Here we go. More than one way to get amen to your sermon. All right. Verse 13, you, God, are holy and great. You are the God who performs miracles. Verse 15, you redeem your people. Verse 8, 16 through 19, you lead through deep water even though we do not see your footprints. Now, how come that amen wasn't as loud as the other? Let me read it again now. Listen to this. You lead through deep water even though we do not see your footprints. Amen. That kind of reminds me of that poem, you know. Well, you only see one set because I was carrying it. Verse 20, you shepherd your people. Woo. Aren't you glad? How great is our God. You see, when you get a new vision of that and the day of deliverance will come, here's what you'll be singing. Before the day of deliverance comes, you're singing on your way there. How great is our God. It is well with my soul. Victory in Jesus. Okay, I'm an old timer. Not because you suddenly feel better, or because you suddenly got more spiritual, but because you deliberately decided that you would walk by faith and not by feeling, by faith and not by sight, 
By faith you have fixed your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Amen? So how do I apply this to my life now? What would this look like if you and I believed all that stuff and acted on all that stuff and said, I will not succumb to my feelings, I will live by faith? What would that look like? Well, the easy thing to say, which is often what we say to people, just pray about it, brother. What do you do when you don't feel like praying? What do you do when you've prayed, do your lips fall off and that seems like anything's happening? Just pray about it, brother. It doesn't help me. How about this? Just trust him, brother. Just keep waiting on him, sister. Just move toward him, my friend. He is the shepherd, and we are the sheep of his pasture. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He has not forgotten us. So here's what we need to do. Surrender the demand to feel good. Come on now. See, we want God to always validate what we believe by how we feel. There's nothing wrong with emotions. Listen, my wife can say to me, Yes, James, it is still true. I love you. Now, that's one way. But I really like it better when she whispers in my ear, I love you, sweetie. And she nibbles a little bit. <laughs> Don't you tell your mother I said that, son. In public, I mean. Sure, I love to feel it. But I also need to know it even when I don't feel it. Because when I got the flu or something like that, or, you know, I'm just not in a good mood, she can be as lovey-dovey as she wants to, and I may not necessarily feel it. But I know it. And because I know it, when I do feel it, it makes it even greater. And that's the way it is with God. So surrender the idea that in order to have victory, you must somehow feel very spiritual about everything and that you feel like that you've arrived and all that. Just forget all that. Instead, take a stand of faith and say, Oh God, like the psalmist cried out, I feel like I'm in despair, but I know I don't have to stay there. Instead, I will stop and remember and think and ponder and meditate on you and who you really are. And I'll remember how Jesus showed up on the road to Emmaus one day and they were walking down the road all perplexed and in despair, all discouraged and disgruntled, all upset because God didn't work in the little box that they had planned. And all it took was for Jesus to show up. And you know what's something interesting? Have you ever noticed that Jesus never talked to them about how they felt? He talked to them about what they believed. And when they connected to what they believed, and what they knew, they suddenly felt altogether different. So let's don't get the cart before the horse. The day of deliverance comes not because you feel it, but because you believe it, you know it, you trust it. I know this is real simple, and I, I may have said this before, but I don't like bumper stickers on my car. I like them on yours. Okay? I don't own them on mine, but I love them on yours. And I never will forget the day that I drove up behind somebody and saw this bumper sticker. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Can we do that today? I had an engineer tell me one time, that's too simple. I said, well, God loves the simple-minded, so get on board. <laughs>
No, I mean, God doesn't make it complicated. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Take a step of faith. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And to him be the power forever and ever. Stand with me, please. We're going to share a benediction. You'll find it on the screen. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. And may God make it so. Go in his blessing.